Hey, this is Chad Brown. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com. Denver Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents Chad and Nate. Friday out there to everyone. Thank goodness. Thank God. It's Friday. It's been a, it's been a week, man. Has it? Yeah. Okay. And it sounds like uh, from your conversation with Mike, uh, that's Kyle Reese. Uh-huh. Nate Jackson is out today. Nate will be back next week as we get ready for Broncos training camp live from Broncos facility on Wednesday. But uh, you were talking to Mike and it made it sound like you didn't have such a great morning. No, it's fine. No, it's fine. It has been a week, but I try not to, you know, everybody hates Mondays, that kind of thing. I yeah. try not. I, I don't want to fast forward through any part of my life. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to speak that into the, to the, yeah. to the universe. So okay. I'm glad it is Friday though. And, uh, I was, I was driving in here and I was thinking about you and I said, you know, Chad did such a favor to me yesterday and giving me that therapeutic conversation <laughs> about my football heart. Uh-huh. I have to return the favor today. Okay. So I'm going to help you walk through your jealousy of Russell Wilson. Oh, and in oh. the next two hours, okay. we're going to get to know Chad. We're going to get in contact with Chad and, and kind of sort through some of those things. So I'm here for you this morning, brother, is what I'm, is what I'm saying. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Uh, my morning, uh, gosh. Okay, so I was supposed to be on Good Morning Football on NFL Network this morning. Okay. Uh, time. 7.40 hit, uh, got up extra early. They wanted to do something with uh, my reptiles. So I was like, oh, well, I'll do that from the office. They want, they want to see Beyonce and Kelly, two of my green tree pythons, which I've named Beyonce and Kelly. I've got three female green tree pythons, so I got Beyonce, Kelly, and Michelle. Oh, boy. Um, so it was going to be this great little NFL Network uh, Good Morning Football hit. Talk about little Russell Wilson, optimism here in Denver. Hey, you're part of a great Steeler linebacker crew. What about T.J. Watt? Blah, 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 blah. Okay. okay. And then, hey, by the way, show us some of your cool animals. Well, I get to the my office, and I can get into the building, but I can't get upstairs to where my offices are. Keys Network. Oh, boy. Sabotage. I call my staffer who I know lives the closest to the office. How long will it take you to get here, man? It's going to take me 25 minutes to get there. Cutting it close, but I'm on air in 10 minutes. Uh. Uh, so uh, I guess I'll just do it from the car. Oh. So I had to do my NFL Network hit from the car oh, this morning. Oh, man. Yeah, not quite the uh, hit I wanted. Obviously, I couldn't get inside to get to my reptiles, so they kind of ruined that whole end of the thing. Uh, so... A little bit of a, a crushing morning. Big plans. Because you were looking forward to that, right? I was looking forward yeah. to the whole NFL Network thing. I was looking forward to showing off some of my snakes and having a conversation about that. Um, James Palmer, obviously a local guy here in Denver, does a lot of uh, Bronco coverage for the NFL Network. Uh, Sean O'Hara, uh, you know, Mike Garofalo. So it was all the, you know, the normal NFL Network folks. And, yeah, that's what happened to my morning. But uh, I'm happy to be here with you. And it so, can get better. It was, apparently it's going to get better because yes, you're going to coach me up about um, my yep. lack of Russell Wilson jealousy 
and just me giving my opinion based on experience, right? Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm, not it? Mm-hmm. Don't I'm try to par- get out ahead of I'm this. I'm paraphrasing that wrongly? Yeah, don't try to get out ahead of this. This is, First thing is we got to admit the problem. Oh, yeah. there's a problem. I don't know. I'm, I'm giving you a hard time. Uh, apparently, the text line, you know, I'm just, I'm leaning into that a little bit because we all know better. But right. I'm, just, I'm still going, you know, we're here for each other. Hi, wife. We're going to finish that. off the week strong. Yes, we are. Yes, sir. Yes, we are. Oh, man. Um, the news of Kyler Murray uh, getting his big deal yesterday has sparked conversation here locally because uh, does that mean Russell Wilson will be next? Uh, I think Lamar Jackson's most likely going to be next. But uh, what does it mean for Russell Wilson and his potential deal with the Denver Broncos? Do you do it now? Do you kick that can down the road till next year? Do you make him play his whole uh, two years out? All that we will get to as the show goes along. Also, Pro Football Focus has released their top 10 players um, from their top 50 list yesterday. Um, Man. I don't. uh, Yeah. I'm not right often. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Um. But I'm looking forward to the next segment. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that part. Yes. So we will dive into that. There were not a there was not a Denver Bronco uh, number fifty through eleven, and you and I went back and forth. Would Russell Wilson be in the top ten? Therefore, giving the Broncos at least one player in the Pro Football Focus to top fifty. Um, we'll find that out here in the next segment. And you talked about that. That's not just. Um, some number crusher guys, right? Because I think the perception is that it's a bunch of geeks with spreadsheets um, that are grading things who definitely, who sometimes don't understand the nuance of it. Right. That's actually a, a conglomerate of people who know what they're looking at and number crushers. Yes. So they have the, the big data folks who have created the uh, algorithms and the, you know, the, the coding to take this information that is input into the system by coaches and scouts. Uh, they have a lot of those guys on the staff. Now, of course, these coaches and scouts, they're not in the meeting rooms with these teams. So when they're watching the play, it's going to be judged based on their football experience. When you run this particular blitz, this guy does this, this guy does that. So they're they're making their absolute best guess, but it's not just a bunch of football nerds who grew up playing Madden and suddenly think they know football. Okay, It's actual real football people issuing those grades. But again, they are not you know, in those meeting rooms when those plays are installed, so they don't have a, a perfect 100% knowledge of everybody on the field. But it's as close as we can come uh, with technology, um, expertise, to trying to put some numbers and some analytics uh, behind the, the game of football, which, of course, is a very subjective thing. No doubt. Always, always worry about the analyst, right? Because you don't know what was coached. You don't know what the scheme was. You don't know what the objective was. You don't know what that player, you, you might have an idea of what the player's strengths are, right? Right. But you don't know what the, the scheme is. So it's really hard to just look at it and say, oh, he was wrong. Or he should have zagged there when he, when he zigged. Or you, it, it's really hard to just assess a game when you don't know what all 11 people are supposed to do. Yeah, um, in New England, uh, we would do certain blitzes um, where the goal actually wasn't to sack the quarterback. It was to force the quarterback to escape the pocket. If the data showed that this particular quarterback's got a 65% completion ratio within the pocket, but once he's outside the pocket, he's in the 40s, mm. well, Bill was like, we don't, we, we don't even want to sack this guy. All we want to do is just force him out of the pocket. So as a defensive end, he'd be like, no, 
don't rush upfield and contain the guy. Go underneath the tackle and give him a wide open alley to escape the pocket. We want him to be his own worst enemy. Mm. So from a pro football focus standpoint, I'll use this as an example, I could possibly, but what could have been downgraded for that play when actually I was executing what the play design was. It didn't fit within normal football understanding of, ooh, let's keep the quarterback in the pocket. In this case, no, do your thing as a pass rusher, but go underneath, force this guy out of the pocket, and then we have a much higher percentage chance of him throwing an incompletion. So it was that kind of stuff that I think pro football focus can actually begin to grade and assess because it's so far out of normal football norms. Yeah, and and, and you do that because maybe the guy can't run, right? right. Or maybe his decision-making is worse outside of the pocket, right? Yeah. So there's some nuance to these things. So it, it's fun to analyze, but take yeah. for what it's worth. All right, well, when we come back, we are going to dive into that top ten list. Uh, will a Bronco be on this list? And, again, the most likely Bronco would be Russell Wilson. So does Russ make the top ten, or did pro football focus – Blank the Broncos. Not a single Bronco in the top 50. That's next. It's Chad and Nate on Denver's Sports Station. 104.3 The Fan. My man Kyle Reese filling in for Nate Jackson today. Um, And we spent a considerable... uh, considerable amount of time yesterday uh, focused on this pro football focus top 50 players in the NFL list here for 2022 season Um, and uh, as of yesterday it was just number 50 through 11 was released there were no Broncos on the list so we began to suppose if there was one Bronco that would be on the list it would be Russell Wilson which means he had to be ranked in the top 10 of NFL players now, I know Russell Wilson's pro football focus grade from last year uh, wasn't great. It wasn't great, and particularly because, you know, he had the injured finger, came back maybe a little bit too early from that. So those games where he was still rounding back into form, those were very lowly graded games for Russell Wilson, which brought his average score down. But I thought maybe in, in the uh, compiling of this list, the folks at pro football focus would – uh, maybe give Russell Wilson a pass on those games and have him ranked here in the top 10. And uh, without any further ado, as we like to say, yeah. um, I'm going to run down the top 10, and uh, we'll hear where Russell Wilson is at on this list. Number 10, Travis Kelsey. I forgot all about that. Because yeah. remember, we were going through and we were yeah. saying, okay, here are the AFC West guys. And we didn't. Neither one of us had Travis Kelsey when we yeah. were thinking about the guys that were missing from the list. So. Yeah, we knew Patrick Mahomes right. would make it on the list for the Chiefs. Uh, other than Patrick Mahomes, there was Chris Jones at number fifteen. So Travis Kelsey falls at number yeah. ten. Uh, Zach Martin at number nine, uh, guard for the Dallas Cowboys. Tom Brady, Tampa Bay, number eight. Uh, T.J. Watt, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, edge guy, number seven. Um, you know, TJ's led the league in sacks and sack rates um, and over the last two seasons. And he's gotten it done with a lot fewer opportunities, so he's been on an amazing tear. Uh, Josh Allen, obviously quarterback, Buffalo, number six. Patrick Mahomes slides down to number five on this list. Devontae Adams, number four, wide receiver, Las Vegas Raiders. So that gives the Raiders two guys in the top 50. 
um, with Max Crosby at number 50 and Devontae Adams now at number four. Aaron Rodgers at number three, Green Bay Packers. Trent Williams, uh, number two, uh, with San Francisco 49ers. Man, that dude is like, uh, if you were to take the Friday character of Debo and turn him into an offensive lineman, that is the exact equivalent right there. That dude is mean, scary, agile, technique, powerful. He's got it all. Who else wants some? Yes. Who who wants some of Debo? No. <laughs> I don't know why you come down here messing with these <laughs> people. people. <laughs> uh, and so then, therefore, number one is not Russell Wilson. It is Aaron Donald. <laughs> yes. So the Broncos do not have a single, single player in the Pro Football Focus Top 50. How does that make you feel over there, Calories? Uh, um, there's, there's some disappointment, especially when we were going through over the last week, week and a half, going through the ESPN rankings. And there was a lot of Patrick Sertan talk. And some surprise that he was even in that conversation in his second year of his career, but obviously the promise is there and the potential, the word of the week was there. So uh, maybe a little bit of a surprise or, or hurt feelings that he wasn't included in the conversation. I am not surprised that Russell Wilson did not make this list. And I'm not hurt by it either, right? There, because there's so much prove it on this team that, again, the potential of it could be top 50. But right now, it is not. And people don't make lists based on potential. They make it based on performance. Uh, considering this is a list for, you know, entering the 2022 season, um, I – understand where pro football focus is analysis um how their grading system works why this list comes out this way but the reality is the reality is russell wilson is a top 50 player in the nfl the grading system that pro football focus uses took away you know well included those you know three games where he was underachieving due to coming back from that finger injury uh, a little too quickly trying to help his team out. He will be a top 50 player this year in the NFL. Um, but, again, I understand how pro football focus does their work, um, so I can see where they're coming from. And based on last year's grade, um, that's all pro football focus is going to go off of. It's not They're not a subjective company. They're not like, oh, from the gut, you know, I think this guy's a top 10 player. No, they look back at their analysis, their grades, and their analytics, and it says Russell Wilson isn't from a grading standpoint. So this is how this list comes out. No Broncos, no on this list. Meanwhile, there are a couple players from uh, the Raiders, Max Crosby and Devontae Adams, uh, three players from KC, uh, Chris Jones, Travis Kelsey, uh, Patrick Mahomes, and the Chargers have four guys on this list. Khalil Mack, Corey Lindsley, Justin Herbert, and Joey Bosa. And so when you run down all those names and, you know, Russell not being included in the top 50, I say this to about playing time complaints sometimes, okay? Mm-hmm. Who do you want me to take out? Because <laughs> we can't play with 12. Right. Right? Right. So we got to play with 11, which means one of them got to come off. Mm-hmm. So who's coming out so that we can put Russell in? Right. Mm. Out of the top ten or off this list overall? Uh, well, you might be able to make an argument for the list overall. I don't, right? I don't think I don't think it would be that difficult to make an argument that Russell Wilson will end the season uh, in the top twenty players in, in in the NFL most likely. Okay. Yes, but there is still the potential of things not going 
that way. But that top 10, top 15 is going to be – it's real tough to crack. It's really, right? it is, this is a tough list to crack. Aaron Donald has been the best player in football for a couple of seasons now. Uh, Trent Williams has emerged as the best offensive lineman. And, and so far above any other offensive lineman, yeah, to see him at number two on this list, I'm not surprised at all. Uh, Eric Cluey, Aaron Rodgers, uh, back-to-back MVPs. Uh, Devontae Adams uh, getting it done, uh, brings his talents to Las Vegas. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, we all know about him clearly. Josh Allen, one of the, you know, a, a guy who came out of Wyoming with question marks, turned those question marks into positives, and it's only gotten better with each and every season. Uh, T.J. Watt, the most dominant edge guy, despite having 450 fewer opportunities than some of the other players on the list as far as leading sackers. Uh, Tom Brady, the GOAT. Um, of course. Zach Martin, the best interior offensive lineman in the league. And then Travis Kelsey, the best tight end in the league. So, yeah, where does Russell Wilson fit in that list? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. He don't. He don't. <laughs> well, according to Pro Football yeah. Focus, he does, and I'm yeah. sure there's some fans who would maybe disagree with that. But I don't I don't see it being a massive stretch to say at the end of this season he's in the top 20. And and, and it's okay because we, we're not talking about Matt Stafford either. But Matt Stafford is perfectly fine with where he's at with his Super Bowl ring and defending that championship this year. So – um, one thing that as I'm looking at this list that I find interesting is remember when Jerry Glanville said not for long? Right. The NFL, right? The NFL, NFL stands for not for long. And that couldn't be more true as you look at this list. When the NFL Network was doing their top 100 players a few well, over the last eight, nine years or whatever it was, Von Miller was consistently in that top 10, if not in the top five. Right. right? Von Miller is nowhere to be found in proximity of this list. Right. He's still a really good player in the NFL, but it just tells you the the ecosystem of the NFL is constantly renewing itself, mm-hmm. right? And it's always getting younger. It's always getting faster. It's always getting – there's always a new flavor of the month. And right now that's Aaron Donald, and that's okay. And there's no denying that. But Von Miller is an afterthought now, right? And for eight years, he was the, one of the top five players in the NFL. Mm-hmm. It, just, it just constantly flushes itself. Now that NFL network list, that, that was done with a poll of players. players yes. And, they would uh, know, though. Do they? Okay. Do they? Because, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I would, uh, you know, obviously as a player, you participate in the Pro Bowl voting process. Okay. It's supposed to be one-third fans, one-third coaches, one-third players for the Pro Bowl voting. Um, and, I, and clearly there are some teams and some uh, uh, fan bases and some players themselves who certainly try to social media their way into winning the fan vote. Uh, clearly, the Pro Bowl rosters are filled out with guys from some of the more prominent teams in the league. Uh, there's almost always going to be a Steeler linebacker in the Pro Bowl just because of the Steeler linebacker tradition. Uh, most fans uh, have no idea what offensive line play is about. Therefore, once you become a Pro Bowl offensive lineman, you tend to get you know re, you know, re-selected uh, year after year after year, even after your play begins to decline. So the Pro Bowl voting is always a little bit weird, but I've participated in those Pro Bowl votes, and I've had it done a million different times. I've had where the guys responsible for the vote, typically a team captain, would pass out uh, 53 pieces of paper, and guys would write down who they thought should go. Hmm. I've had other other teams where that guy would go up on the board and say, these are the guys we're voting for for the Pro Bowl. For your own team. Yes. So so this team captain – this team leader would write the guys who he thought should go to the Pro Bowl. And you were, 
as a guy in the room supposed to write that down on your sheet? Uh-huh. Or he would just turn in the sheet with those names on it and say, this is who we voted for. Mm. So his boys would make the list. Now, well, damn. <laughs> I have been on the field during a post-game handshake thing where guys now they exchange jerseys. But back in my day, back in my old man days, we just shook hands. And I have heard players say to quarterbacks or team captains on other teams, make sure you get your guys to vote for me for the Pro Bowl. Oh. And what? What? Wow. We're, we're, we're poly-tricking our way to Pro Bowl <laughs> votes? That's what we're doing? You're not earning on the field. You are going to poly trick your way into this. Uh, but it's but it's okay. All right, you know what? I can't argue that. Yes. So uh, the so it's, it's a popularity contest. It becomes a popularity contest. So the the NFL Network top 100. Yeah, I, I think it's an honor. I think anybody who gets on there, it's a great honor. But uh, I don't think it's as data driven as this pro football focused top 50. Man, you just crushed a bunch of hearts. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm I, my, my bad. Hey, man. With the truth, though. With the truth. (laughs) Uh, Vegas has released uh, its projected NBA win totals for next season. Where do uh, what does Vegas think of the Nuggets? We'll talk about that next. You're listening to Chad and Nate on Denver's Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Then go take a nap. Chad and Kyle Reese coming at you. Nate will return on Monday. Wednesday will be live from Broncos headquarters. Watching that first practice. Looking forward to the season or training camp uh, kicking off on Wednesday. Uh, Can I ask you a quick question? Please do. It is are the days before training camp for a player kind of like the days before school for a kid coming back from summer? Uh, you mean uh, full of trepidation, dread, regret, and uh, <laughs> uh, anxiety? Use, I didn't use those words, but uh, yeah, you got to go. You got to fix your sleeping habits. You got to, you know, you got to get yourself together. You got to, you got to get your closet together. There is a uh, internal. Excitement because it's what you do. You're a football right. player, um, but training camp has has never been fun. Okay, um, so I didn't. I never looked forward to training camp. I understood it as a necessary evil. I understand I had to pour myself into it. Um, but yeah, I knew there was going to be some dog days ahead. Mm. I knew there was going to be some days where my legs were just not capable of going up and down the stairs at the dorm or at the dining hall, whatever the case may have been. So. Yeah, it's not. Uh, it's a weird mix of excitement and dread, of anticipation and uh, fear. Um, you know, because I put my life on the line, I put my body on the line when I go out there. Yeah, yeah. Not everybody emerges from training camp um, unscathed. Right. You know, my uh, my last year in Seattle, I broke my fibula in training camp in a non padded practice. Mm. You know, so uh, weird stuff happens, and so you're. Your your best laid plans, you know, can, can can fall apart. I was playing really well. We had played the Broncos in the preseason game. Uh, the was it the night? I think it was the night before, or maybe two nights before. Uh, I had played well enough in the first two preseason games. They were talking about shutting me down for the last two preseason games. Oh man! And I was just like, okay, sweet, non padded practice, 
cleat gets caught in somebody's shoe, land awkwardly, uh, 16 screws and four plates later. Wow. Yeah, I'm on the shelf till game eight. Wow. So, uh, yeah, that that was <laughs> – so that, that training camp sense of dread actually, you know, once in 15 – well, actually, no, in year 15, first padded practice in New England – uh, I put my hand uh, out there to shove a tight end. My hand kind of lines awkwardly on his pads. End up breaking my hand. First day of pads. Wow. First padded period of camp. Um, so, yeah, two of the 15 years uh, in training camp, I broke a bone. So, you know. So there is a little anxiety. There is a little anxiety. Okay, There's a right. little trepidation going into that process <laughs> for sure. Um, but yeah, you you know you pack your bags. What am I going to need in the dorms? Obviously, the players now don't do the dorm thing as much as we did back in my day. Um, but yeah, what, what do I want? Some music in the dorms? Do I need to bring a little stereo. What kind of books do I want to read? Um, do I want to learn a new hobby? Right. What are your creature comforts? Yes, yeah. I've seen dudes bring little keyboards, try to learn a couple songs, just to something to take your mind away from the grind of the game. Um, you're going to bring a Sega Genesis, you know, you're going to bring something old school, new school. How many people can I get involved in my Blades of Steel uh, tournament? I'm going to get going here after you a week or so. Sega Genesis. Sega Genesis. Well, again, I'm an old man. <laughs> but Blades of Steel was cool on Sega no, Genesis. No, I get it. I yes. get it. I'm not, I was young once. I understand, that, which is the funny thing about it. Like, I, I get it. But yeah, I, and I, sometimes those older games are simpler and okay. easier just to quickly pick up the sticks. Right, right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. He's got a point. Skater die. <laughs> <laughs> Blades yeah. of steel. I get it. Yes. I get it. All right. All right. Um, Vegas has released its uh, projected win totals for the NBA teams for the next uh, for this upcoming season. Uh, reports uh, came out yesterday. That sports books are already setting the over unders for NBA team win totals, despite the schedule uh, not being released just yet. Nevertheless, the Nuggets are set at forty nine point five. Nuggets had 40 wins, 48 wins without MPJ and Jamal Murray. Uh, are you a bet man? No. But if you were, you taking the hammer and the over, or do you think Vegas might be on to something here? Only given the Nuggets essentially a win and a half more than what they achieved last year with the anticipated return of Jamal Murray and MPJ, don't you think that's a little low? Yeah, I, I do think it's a low. Here's what I do know about betting, and I'm not telling you I'd never have. Um, that .5 is dangerous. Right. Of course it is. <laughs> on purpose. Yes, no doubt. It, right. It's the one that's, it'll be right there on ra- on the razor's edge. So um, I, I do think that's a little low for the Nuggets. I'm, I'm thinking 53, 54, somewhere in there. Um, but I know everybody's looking forward to the start, right? Because mm-hmm. Jamal Murray stayed on the shelf. And a lot of people agreed with it. A lot of people disagreed with it. So it was, it, it's not something that is not going to be at the forefront of the franchise's mind. Right, so we got There's there's an expectation that Jamal Murray is not only going to be a hundred percent, but that he's going to perform at the level that he was performing at before he got injured. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think the start is going to be more important um, than the actual. I, I shouldn't say more important. I think it's going to be super important um, to getting to that fifty win mark. Okay, okay. Uh, I've gone to Vegas, you know, every couple years uh, I go to Vegas. Every time I go, uh, the hotels are bigger and fancier. The <laughs> casinos are bigger and fancier. For a reason. The attractions are bigger and fancier. Um, so that money comes from someplace. Uh, and Vegas tends to know what they're doing. Yeah. So when Vegas is coming up with something like this, which seems to be in direct contradiction and an outlier to what we are thinking – I can't help but be very curious and go, hmm, what do they know? 
What do they know? Obviously, the Joker's under contract, signed the uh, record-breaking deal a couple weeks back. So what is Vegas seeing that we are not seeing? Why is our, uh, you know, I don't think that the Nuggets have maybe not the quite same, the same level of optimism that we're feeling about the Broncos, um, but there's a high level of optimism. Optimism. The MVP's coming back. Uh, MPJ and Jamal Murray uh, should be coming back and should be healthy. Um, yeah, it just it just gives me pause. What do they know? What's what's happening there? Particularly here in Denver, because there is going to be a I don't know a six game possible eight game uh, easy home win because depending on how the scheduling breaks, if you are going to give if you're an opponent of the Nuggets and you're going to give some of your guys uh, a load management night, oh. they tune to, they tend to do it here in Denver because of the altitude, because of all of that. You, you've had a couple of back to backs. You want to give somebody a break. This would be the place to do that. So the, the Nuggets will have a six to eight win uh, home win better record maybe than they actually should just because of the load management thing and uh, their opponents taking the night off so to speak do you ever take that as a slight like hey, we could we this the night denver is the night to take off you know uh, I, I would think as sacramento but you I, know I, I, but it's, <laughs> there is something to be said about playing in altitude okay and your ability to um uh, Recover, yeah. recover from that. Well, to, not only just to play the game, but also recover. I think the recovery period after an altitude game is is longer than it is for a regular game. I at least would think of that from my time playing here in in Denver. Now, of course, we we're playing some very good Bronco teams at that time, so you had to show up. So, and so, the NFL is different. Yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, I would normally, you know, by Tuesday or Wednesday, okay, at that point in my career, I was feeling pretty good. But after a game here in Denver, it, it stretched into Thursday and sometimes Friday before I got to feeling good. Now, again, part of that was Broncos are really good, and tackling, tackling Terrell Davis 25 times in the game was some tough duty. Right. But also, I think there's something to be said for that altitude factor, and I think that's a an advantage to the Nuggets. So when I see Vegas only giving a, a game and a half over their total win, over their win total from last season, it definitely gives me some pause and some they me, it's not about the Nuggets. I, I think it's about why. Right. I'm just, I just don't see LeBron James having two really bad years in a row. Right now, they might have to get rid of Russell. Okay, that, that might be a huge part of the problem. Anthony Davis has to stay healthy, but right. I don't see the Lakers having two really bad years in a row. Phoenix is going to be Phoenix. Memphis, good goodness gracious, if they get it together, they could be really dangerous. Golden Josh, State, uh-huh. we know who they are. You got to expect that the Mavs will get better, right? Utah, I think, is imploding. Mm-hmm. Um, but and then and then there's the Nuggets, and I'm just doing it in in order of the finish from last year. So I think the conference, the Timberwolves are right on their heels. The Pelicans played really well in the playoffs last year. So I don't know that's so much about the Nuggets as it is about everybody around them. I, clearly, that's a factor. You know, the the Vegas is not just making these win totals based on uh, uh, guesses. They're looking at the the rest of the the conference and the rest of the league as well. I, I just think. With the return of Jamal Murray and MPJ, the Nuggets should be better. And uh, getting above 50 wins into that close to 55 category like you talked about, that seems a little bit more realistic. You taking the over, too? Uh, I'm taking the over, okay. yes. Okay. Um, but again, it gives me some pause. What does Vegas know? Uh, the uh, Walton uh, Robson-Walton era of ownership has started here with the Denver Broncos. Um, should the first uh, piece of business, once it becomes official, 
um, on August 9th when they have the uh, owner's vote be a new contract for Russell Wilson? We'll talk about that next. Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan presents Chad and Nate. August 9th, uh, the NFL owners will gather to vote on the official sale of the Broncos. Um, that vote will take place in Minnesota. And uh, I can't imagine it's going to be anything but a slam dunk for the Robson Walton era to begin his ownership here of the Denver Broncos. Um, but then once that is solidified, the question becomes, what is the first order of business? Um, the... What's the first thing you do? What's the first thing I do? Yeah. If I buy, if I were, what's the first thing if Chad Brown becomes an owner of a football team? What's the first thing that I do? Wow. Uh, I mean, I'm assuming, obviously, all those kind of conversations and meet and greets that have already happened. What's the first thing that I do? Uh, I meet with the team. Okay. I meet with the first. I meet with the entire organization, separate from the team. Then I meet with the team, and uh, I explain what I see my role as being as being there to give them what they need to be successful. Um, that I give a shout out to the Bowen family and their ownership and the the tone that they have set organizationally from a winning perspective, from a community service perspective, all those things. Um, and those employees who have been around for a long period of time and uh, understand the level that Pat Bowen set, the, the standard that was set, uh, I want to do my best to adhere to that or, some, or even some ways try to exceed that. And uh, we are all in this together. It's not a me and you thing, and it's an us thing. Um, I would try to set the tone from that perspective. The best teams I've been around, uh, the owners were intimately involved, um, and they were part of the daily scene there. So if it can't be Robson Walton, if it's going to be one of his children as a representative, then who's going to be setting the tone from an ownership perspective in the building uh, on a mostly daily basis? That was a great answer. Thank you. Because I was thinking about stocking the fridge <laughs> and decorating the office. <laughs> I mean, the Broncos are one of the best run organizations in football. So I don't think Robson Walton needs to come in and go, oh, man. Look at the dirty carpet. and Look at the hole in the wall. When was the last time this hallway was painted? You know, I yeah. think that kind of stuff has been is checked off the list. So, you know, I don't think he needs to boost morale by giving the facility a, a new a pay job. Right. It's going to be about connecting to the people in the building, letting them know what, you know, he's going to do to help them do their jobs. Because in the end, the owner doesn't have a job other than helping them do your helping you do your job. That's his role. You know, with all the things you laid out, the, the nice thing about it is they're actually true, right? Yeah. The Bowens have really been the gold standard for uh, ownership in the NFL. And even, as you say, you want your owner involved day-to-day. It's nice to see their face. They haven't stepped over the line in a Jerry Jones fashion, mm-hmm. and they haven't brought shame to the franchise in an Ursay fashion. Right. You know what I mean? So it, it has really been Daniel a— Snyder. It, it, there you go. Uh-huh. Then you, it, it has really been nice to have a classy ownership, uh, a, a caring ownership, and a community-involved ownership. And so— you know, why all those things are nice, they got to understand the shoes that they're stepping into because the expectations because of that are extremely high. Now, you're following the man, 
right? You're following the man that helped make the NFL must-see TV. So uh, there's there's some expectations uh, in this town and in that building um, that this is going to go to the next level beyond a really exceptional level. So it's not an easy task, I would think. It's not. Now, the, you know, the uh, Robson Walton, this ownership group's got a ton of money. He's got $70 billion dollars. Uh, by far the wealthiest owner in all the NFL. So on one hand, yes, you are following the man in Pat Bowen, but you walk in to this owner's meeting where they're going to vote on you becoming part of the group yeah. as the man in that room from a dollars and cents perspective. And that means something. Yes. That, yeah, yeah. That, to roll into, into that room and be the man and have, you know, over double what I think the, the closest other owner has as far as a net worth. Yeah, you walk in as the man. The man amongst men. <laughs> that, that, that's that got to be a good feeling. I, I probably will never understand that. But right. It's, it's, man, that's dope. Man, that's dope. Man, that's dope. I share that sentiment uh, quite a bit. They're not going into war. You heard the Tupac album. You can't go to war under financed, right? No. So they, they are definitely secure in the pocketbook. And mm-hmm. that's got to make... Uh, the people at Dove Valley feel pretty good about it. So. Yeah, I think there's a, a number of items that could potentially be the first order of business. Do you begin investigating uh, a new stadium? Oh, do, do you look at the existing stadium and, and decide to rehab, refurbish that stadium, upgrade it? Um, what do we do with Russell Wilson, with the Kyler Murray deal, with Lamar Jackson's potential deal? Um, where do we do? Do we take care of Russ now? Obviously, organizationally, with the draft picks and the trade of. Uh, Shelby Harris and Noah Fant and all those guys to Seattle to make this Russell Wilson deal happen. You've clearly invested organizationally, uh, draft capital and player capital wise to make this happen. Do you just follow up with that with trying to get this deal done while maybe you can squeeze Russell Wilson under 50 million bucks? Because if he plays well this season, you try to do it next year, it's going to be a few million over 50 bucks. Uh, I'm a fifty million. I'm sorry, not fifty bucks. Fifty million bucks. <laughs> get it off bad. cheap. It's on yeah. sale. <laughs> Let me get my my zeros correct. Give there. me two of them. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, what's what's the the timing on all of that? I say you got to see what you need to see with Russell Wilson this year. If he appears to be the Russ that we would hope and expect him to be, maybe try to find a way to get it done during the season. But at the very least get this thing done before the off-season program begins next year. You don't go into the final year of Russell Wilson's contract with that question mark hanging over the organization. You make a strong move, again, either during the season or after, but I don't think you get it done right now. I don't think Russell's the priority. I think the the stadium, and, and it didn't cross my line until you brought it up, I think the stadium is really the priority. And as much as a, a taxpayer and and I can get kind of old man-ish about that kind of thing because I don't believe an NFL team needs a new stadium every 20 years. But I also understand that the stadiums in the NFL changed shortly after the Broncos built what was in Vesco Field at the time. Mm-hmm. If you look at the stadium in Arizona that opened up in 2006, that is a entertainment district, right, which is basically a cash cow. Right. right? So um, those things from an ownership standpoint, this is a – this is an opportunity to branch out into other business ventures and become real estate uh, moguls and all those things. So that would be at the forefront of my mind just from a uh, how are we competing from an entertainment standpoint. I haven't been out to Los Angeles yet, but I can imagine, right, that is a entertainment district. So uh, I can imagine 
with the money that they have and the resources that they have, that's probably at the forefront of their mind. I wouldn't be surprised if that becomes um, comes to fruition. Would you be bummed if the stadium was out there by the airport in this Bronco land of some sorts with shops and hotels and restaurants and this entertainment district? That would you know be a Bronco land, but would also potentially host concerts and events and maybe Final Four. Uh, maybe some, maybe somehow they get involved in college football playoff stuff. Uh, you put a dome on it, you might host the Super Bowl. Right, I'd do right. Anything known to man. <laughs> so, if you know, would you be down for that, or do you like the current Bronco Stadium setup, kind of in the heart of downtown? Uh, I love when I drive past that stadium. Yeah. Even though I don't have very many wins there as a player, <laughs> Broncos tend to kick my Seahawks butt. Um, but I'd love when I go past that. It's It speaks yeah. to the, the city. The Broncos are connected to the city that way as opposed to this separate thing way out of nowhere that most people don't pass on their drives every day. You better make a beeline to the patent office or the trademark office because Bronco Land has a, has a nice ring to it. <laughs> um, yeah, I would jump on that. I, no, I wouldn't be bummed because I understand it. Right. Um, and... and Again, if you if you visit some of these newer stadiums, even even in Atlanta, if, if you've seen the Mercedes Benz yes. Stadium there, mm-hmm. um, that is, I didn't think they, the Georgia Dome was particularly old. It was only like twenty twenty five years old. Um, but the branding and what's going going on around that, the College Football Hall of Fame and Olympic Park and all of those things, is very intentional how that's how that is built in that area. So I understand why that would go that way. Obviously, the real estate is out that way. Um, so, no, I wouldn't be bummed about it. But there is some nostalgia here. Go, here I go, right, about playing Bronco football in November and December because that is a factor. The weather and the altitude is a factor, right? And and if for the Broncos, that has been an advantage to some degree, uh, depending on who you're playing, obviously. But um, So I, I would hate to see that removed. But I would understand the economy behind it because the Super Bowl is a big deal for a city. Okay. All right. So you're – your old man football heart has some bend in it. We're discovering. No, I didn't. No, it's just not. It just doesn't escape logic. I get it. You know what I mean? Like it, it's it's old, but it ain't dumb. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I dig it. I dig it. Uh, the Russell Wilson effect is already being seen in uh, ticket sales. The Broncos Cowboy preseason game is the most expensive ticket of the entire preseason. Uh, our own Will Peterson wrote at DenverFan.com that according to Vivid Seats, the cheapest seat uh, to Russell Wilson's first game as a Bronco will go for 50 bucks. Uh, a lot of times these guys don't even play in the first preseason game. Now, you know, when it was four, uh, the, maybe the uh, starters would play a, a series or two. So it should be a Russell Wilson signing, but sometimes they don't. Um would you pay fifty bucks to see Russell Wilson perform for a series or two in a preseason game? Me? Yes. No, no I wouldn't. But um, I understand the excitement behind it, and I believe that there's going to be a lot of people that will. And we talked about it the other day. These preseason games aren't your average preseason games. Not only do you have a new quarterback, but you want to see the how the new head coach navigates. Right. And the new coordinators navigate. And so there's a lot of things that are still to be determined. So I don't think these are average preseason games. And, and so I'm not surprised that there's a little bit more than average excitement around them. 50 bucks. I get it. That's not a whole lot for a football game. You tech parking on that. You'll probably pay another 100, 120 or something like that. But I get it. You know, I, but no, 50 bucks is, is a little pricey for a preseason game. Yeah, I, I, I find the, uh, the juxtaposition uh, odd because there's optimism. Right. There's clearly excitement, 
you know, to 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 have the cheapest seat at fifty bucks. They are, some people aren't expecting people to be excited and put down that money. So there's a reason why that's the most expensive ticket in the preseason uh, football market, according to uh, Vivid Seats. Yet and still, we just did the Pro Football Focus Top 50. No Broncos in there. The ESPN uh, ratings, the Madden ratings. So there is the perception of the football team nationally, but there's this optimism and excitement that is just, you know, coming to a slow boil here in the city. Um that price actually might be jumping for the first preseason game. I think it will be. I, th- I think, you know, again, you know, the new coach, new coordinators, new quarterback, brand new level of optimism. After having 11 quarterbacks since Peyton Manning, oh. you know, the Bronco fans have been through the ringer of hope and expectation. You know, being sold that Joe Flacco was going to be the answer. Being sold that Case Keenum was going to be the answer. And I think Bronco fans, are. I wouldn't say – uh, I wouldn't say gullible. I would say They're, believers yeah. and optimists and, and, and hopeful. And they so they got their hopes up for these guys that we were sold on. And, of course, they weren't very good. It, it was no surprise to any real football person. Mm. Um, but, yeah, the fans invested. So now all this pent-up hope and, and optimism now gets a chance to be directed to Nathaniel Hackett, directed to Russell Wilson and this ticket market is certainly a uh, a clear indicator. They deserve of that. some relief. They deserve <laughs> it. They had to watch Kendall Hinton play play quarterback. <laughs> they deserve it. Uh, it's been uh, roughly about twenty four hours since the Kyler Murray deal was announced uh, between him and Arizona. Two hundred and thirty point five million dollars, one hundred and sixty million guaranteed. What does this mean for Russ and the Broncos? We'll talk about that next. Hey, this is Nate Jackson. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.